For those of you remaining here in this space, we're going to dig into the Word of God in the book of Exodus. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to, to turn with me. There will be in uh, chapter 33. We're going to be reading verses 7 through 11. Uh, it's, it's the description of the tent of meeting uh, that, uh, that is contained for us uh, and, and shows us the encounter between God and God's people uh, and the, the way in which God used Moses and Joshua in that. So uh, you can follow along with the words on the screen or the words in your hand as we together hear the word of the Lord. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses's to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, and we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, we come before you in this space and time to meet with you to hear from you, to encounter your holy presence, to be struck by your will and your word for our lives. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. Then I ask, oh God, you would open our hands that we would then offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Covenant before Easter 2019 uh, was a little bit different. Easter 2019 was whenever we opened this facility and we moved into this space. But before that, we were what you would know as a portable ministry. That meant that our church was contained in a trailer, like, a tw- like literally a 24-foot trailer that a three-quarter ton pickup truck would pick up from the storage facility and they would drive and haul over to uh, first the YMCA, which is now the rec center at the front of Creekside, and then later on to Timber Creek Elementary. But, but we were able to set up worship with what was in that trailer pretty much anywhere. I mean, when we moved from the YMCA uh, to Timber Creek, it, it, there were some adjustments, but for the most part, It was the same thing, same trailer, same equipment, same stuff. And then whenever, uh, if if Timber Creek would have ever kicked us out, which which has happened to portable churches before, you know, because churches are such bad guests in spaces, (laughs) we would have just found another spot because we were uh, affectionately referring to ourselves as a tabernacle ministry. 
The tabernacle in Scripture is, is described in vivid detail uh, where, where, where certain types of wood posts and certain types of drapes would, would go into constructing this space whenever the, the Israelite people moved from location to location. And as they uh, set up their worship, they had a prescription of how to do it. And we had a prescription. Covenant was built by engineers. And so we knew exactly where everything went. Don't believe me? Ask somebody. There was a, a, a clip that would hook on the front stair of Timber Creek, and then a tape measure would line out the aisles, and it was marked to the precise inch and half inch where each row of chairs would be set up for worship. Engineers built covenant precisely, just like a tabernacle. And there was something comforting for me in that season, knowing that we were about the people, not about a facility. There's a threat whenever you open a building that, there, that the conception is you're a place, not a people. You're a place, not a ministry. And what happens uh, uh, for for churches is you could grow stagnant and insular and inward facing whenever the church at its core, whenever it is authentically what God designed it to be, is a, an outpost that is sending people, sending missionaries out into the world where the mission of ministry is always happening outside of these walls. Well, we mo did move into this facility, Easter, April 21st, 2019. And uh, a little more than 10 months in, we then shifted again. We shifted online. And I want you to know that, that it was not easy. Uh, some lay leaders and staff members made it seem easy. <laughs> but I was in Colorado on the way back from our youth ski trip on Friday, waiting for our broken down bus to arrive. But by the way, our bus broke down in Colorado. It was awful. And, and I made the call, we're going to go online. And hold on. I'm in Colorado. Megan's in Colorado. Peyton's in Colorado. Pastor Dario's in Colorado. And we're all heading back. And we say, we're going to go online. And the staff and lay leaders here were on spring break. I mean, think, think through this. Covenant's never done anything online before. And now we're going to, uh, I mean, we, 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 we post uh, after the service, the sermon, but we're going we're gonna to go live. And God worked things out with lay leaders and technology and the power of the Holy Spirit that we got back on Saturday from Colorado after no sleep in the bus and we set up a rig, and with Brian Grant and Gilberto Amenziga and the staff members of the church, we were able to stream online. There's been some power in that, though. There is power to the fact that the Word of God is, is no longer contained on a Sunday morning here in these four walls, that the worship and word is being sent out throughout the world and, and that at any on any given Sunday I could tell you that we have folks worshiping with us in New Orleans 
in Atlanta, Georgia. We have folks in the Spanish community worshiping with us in Colombia and Mexico and Peru and Venezuela. We have folks uh, also worshiping with us in English uh, in Belgium. Shout out to the Graftons. And so like we have all of these people that are able to gather around God's word and it should be a reminder for us that God's presence is not contained in any one location. God's presence and our worship happens here. It happens on Sundays. It happens outside these walls. It is not contained in location or time, but it is ever present. Now, don't get me wrong, there's power in the people of God gathering together, which is why we worship live and, and, and don't like uh, only uh, pre-produce worship because we think that there's something about the people who gather in this room and the people who gather online worshiping at the same time that the Holy Spirit is doing miraculous things in that moment. But there is something in the way that God has set up our relationship with him and his relationship with us that he is about presence and power and witness. And it begins for us in Exodus 33. If you do have your Bibles, keep them open. We're going to walk through the passage, uh, and, and, and we're going to take seven different turns uh, that, that, that are described for us and help us understand a little bit more about what worship looked like and now looks like for us as Christians. The first in verse 7 says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. I love this description, this tent of meeting description. Now when we get to the tabernacle, as I said, there's all this detail to what the tabernacle looks like. But the tent of meeting, there's no detail. It just says, Moses, here's what he used to do. He'd get, he'd get a tent, he'd go outside the camp, and he'd set it up. What was it made out of? I don't know. What did it look like? I don't know. How big was it? Don't matter. We really have no detail about the tent of meeting. It is a nondescript thing, but it is a very real tent, and it had a very real function. And so uh, I want you to think about the ways in, in your life that that God shows up and how you can dedicate certain spaces. Do you have a prayer closet? Do you have a time or a space where you do your morning devotions or your your evening prayer? Do you have a a designated location that it does not have to be uh, uh, ornate or or, or, uh, in in any way adorned as as other, but it just needs to be designated for you to meet with the Lord there because he is ready to do so. Moses went and he set up a tent outside the camp. And then uh, I just imagine him, he goes out there, sets it up, and then just walks away. Because it doesn't say that he does anything instantaneously. There's there's no, uh, there's actually no like dedication ceremony. There's no district superintendent or bishop coming in to make anything happen. Uh, there are no like special magic words that all of a sudden this is like a, a place where worship can happen. Worship is just going to happen here. Okay. So then, then it says that uh, this back end of verse seven, anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. 
So anyone who had an inquiry, do you have a question for God? Do you have a question for discernment, for wisdom, for healing, for understanding? Have you read something in God's word that you would like some, some clarity on? Have, have you encountered something in, in culture or community that you would like more information on? God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Tell me about pandemic. Tell me about uh, all of this that we're experiencing, right? Do you have a question for God? If you do, you go and you ask. I love this. It doesn't say how it happened. It doesn't say that, that, that there was a sticky note set up, and if you had like a prayer of healing, you get the pink sticky note, and you put it on this wall, and if you have a prayer of discernment, you put it on a blue sticky note, and you put it on this wall. It didn't say that there was a scroll, and you wrote all your inquiries down, and then when Moses came later, Moses asked on your behalf. It doesn't say that there's an intermediary. All it says is that whenever there was an inquiry from any of the people of God, they would go out to the tent and they would present them to the Lord. God is ready to hear the inquiries of your heart. He is able to do it in nondescript locations. He's able to do it every day at every moment. God hears your inquiries. And then in verse 8, it continues on. Whenever Moses went out, of, uh, went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of the tent watching Moses as he entered the tent. So Moses uh, would go. He'd set up the tent. People, he would leave. People would come. They would have their inquiries to the Lord. And then Moses would come back. And when Moses came back, everybody like paid attention. It was like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Right? Like it was, it was, it was like whenever the six foot four high school senior gets the ball on a breakaway steal and all the crowd stands up because you're about to see a high schooler dunk, as though a six foot four kid should not be able to dunk a basketball. And yet everybody's standing at attention, ready and waiting for what's about to happen. They all are watching. And then it says the the next turn is that the pillar of cloud comes and rests there. Moses enters the tent, and the pillar of cloud comes. Now, that, that pillar of cloud that is, that is shared in verse 9, it, it, it's an echo. It reminds us of the pillar of cloud that God used to guide his people both out of Egypt as, as the Egyptians were continuing to pursue them and then on in the wilderness, this pillar of cloud was very specific in, in that it, it identified that God's presence was there. And that pillar of cloud was amongst the people as they were being directed and now the pillar of cloud is there with Moses as he goes in the tent of meeting. Why this random tent that Moses constructed in an outside-of-camp location? Why did God show his favor to show up, 
dependably, consistently, reliably. I love that. It doesn't say that that this was a specific moment. Moses had to go meet with God in specific moments. We know this from Scripture. We know that uh, God met with Moses uh, at the burning bush. We know that God met with Moses whenever Moses was interceding uh, on the people's behalf. They, they, they built an idol uh, to Baal, and, 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 and God was like, these people are stiff-necked. They're, they're stubborn. What are they doing? And, and Moses goes and says, no, no, like, like show mercy. They're crazy, but they're my kind of crazy. I love them still. You love them still. Don't you want like, like to, to have your people, right? There are specific moments where God and Moses meet. But this text does not describe any specific moment. It describes a consistent, reliable, dependable expectation that when Moses entered the tent of meeting, God's presence was there every time. That's why people looked on with expectation. That's why they stood at the outside of their tents looking forward to what would take place because The next turn comes in verse 10. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, whenever they acknowledged that God's presence was with Moses, here's what happened. They all stood and worshiped, each at the entrance to their own tent. They were so struck by how powerful God's presence is that they had to worship. I remember the first time I I was at a church camp, I saw things in worship that I had never seen before. Uh, I grew up in a traditional United Methodist church, lots of liturgy, lots of like, uh, lots of standing still, not a lot of moving, Uh, lots of, lots of organ uh, in like block German chord structures, right? Boom, boom, boom. Lots of choir. I I rang the handbells. I got a little, little double handbell action. I was pretty talented, Megan. Yeah? Megan doesn't believe in the power of handbells. I've showed her videos of handbells to try to convince her of the power of handbells. Right? And, uh, and so uh, I, that, was, that was my world. And so then I went off to church camp. And whenever I went to church camp, I saw, like, movement as songs were being sung. I saw, I, I saw like, like this, this 20-something-year-old raise their hand as they were worshiping. And, and all of a sudden, I was like, where am I? This is, this is sort of different for me. But as the week of church camp went on, I began to witness others' experience of the power of the presence of God such that it empowered my worship as well. Whenever I saw the presence of God with someone else, I experience the presence of God in myself. That's a gift. And so the people of God, the Israelite people, whenever Moses approached the tent, they knew that Moses was going to meet with God and they rejoiced and worshiped the Lord. They didn't say to themselves, oh man, why does he get to do it and I don't? They didn't say, 
is it going to happen again? They didn't question. They weren't curious about, about what this context was going to look like. They drew upon the dependable, reliable expectation that God was going to consistently show up. God will consistently show up when we meet with him. The scripture then continues. It says that it, de- it describes this meeting that Moses had with the Lord. Again, it's not, it's, it's not a, a specific uh, uh, conversation, but it says in verse 11, the Lord would meet, would speak with Moses face to face and as a friend. This is the scripture. Whenever you've heard language that, that I am a friend of God, God calls me friend. It's in, it's in songs and it's been uh, uh, recorded in poems before. This is where that comes from, where God calls Moses from, meets with God as a friend would meet with God. I want you to think about those meetings you have with friends, those connection points that are so tender and so powerful, uh, th- that kind of friend where you could tell them anything. Who can you tell anything to? The good stuff and the bad stuff, whenever some like, like transformational moment happens in your life and a switch is turned, who do you call? Who do you have to talk to? That kind of friendship relationship is what God has with Moses and what God has with us as well. And then finally, there's the end of verse 11, there's this kind of hanging note at the end of the text that's a little bit of a surprise and draws some curiosity for us. It's a, it says, so all this was done. Then Moses returned to the camp, but the young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua, who? Did y'all, did y'all like get that, right? Like there was no mention of Joshua at all. He wasn't present. He was not there in the story. And then all of a sudden, poof, there's Joshua like hanging out in the tent even longer. Did I mention Joshua before now? No. So Moses went, built the tent. He leaves. People bring inquiries. He comes back. Everybody watches. Pillar of cloud comes. The presence of God. Moses meets with him. Moses leaves. And then Joshua. There he is. Why? Why is that brought through in God's word for us today? Joshua stayed in the tent, even after Moses left. Joshua was, so, was so, so in love with the Lord, so loved to be in his presence, that he just stayed. It's like whenever you have that, that, that moment of worship in your car on your commute. You know, some of you I know uh, commute downtown or used to commute downtown, and now maybe someday you'll commute downtown again. But you, you remember those moments where you listened to a podcast or a sermon or you just had the, the word of God played audio play so that it was just speaking over you, and then you prayed and you worshiped, and then you got to your parking garage, and, and you parked your car, and you knew it was time to turn off your car and open the door and go, uh, go into work. But, but for some reason... There was such potency in that morning commute and in that time with the Lord that you just had to stay. It's like that time whenever maybe it was at Timber Creek Elementary, maybe it was at the wire, maybe it was here in this space where you were in that, that specific seat. 
that a specific seat in worship. And, and, and I know like, like we're not supposed to have our spots in worship, but we have our spots in worship, right? Like, like I could tell you where people are supposed to sit, like the dares are going to sit right there on the front row, and, and then we're going to have the lays. They're going to sit uh, four rows back right there on that aisle, and we're going to have like everybody has a little spot, and then the pandemic comes, and we go every other row, and the usher's telling you where to sit, and you're like, mm-hmm. We got people showing up. We got people showing up earlier to worship than have ever showed up to worship before because they're going to get their seat. Right? I mean, but it's it you know, I I used to just think that that was like something to but maybe it's more than that. Maybe that seat is a connection to a moment where God was present in someone's life so powerfully where they just had to stay. Where the word of God was opened in a new way, where the Holy Spirit was real in a profound way, where something took place where they just had to stay. You see, Joshua just had to stay with the Lord and that is accounted for us because I believe that 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 whenever whenever the scriptures were written someone said I took note and that witnessed to me to a truth a gospel truth that when you meet with the Lord others take note and lives are changed. It's not just the moment that you have with the Lord, but others around you are shaped and formed by it as well. And so wherever you are today, I want you to hear the words of Jesus according to the Gospel of John chapter 14. Jesus is on his way to his death his, uh, his betrayal, his death, and ultimately his resurrection and victory. And whenever he, he is on the way, he's meeting with his disciples and he tells them, he says, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you orphaned. I will give you the Holy Spirit and then you will know, hear this, you will know that the Father is in me and I am in you and you are in me. Do you get that? The pillar of cloud, the very real presence of God is in you. Wherever you go, right now in this moment, the presence of God rests upon you. And whenever you go from this place, the presence of God rests on you there as well. And so your life is about the worship of God and the witness to the world of what God is doing in your life. What sort of power can your witness have for those around you? It's beyond our comprehension because when we have it, uh, when we attempt to compute it, it would blow us away. So I have this lingering question that remains. Will we stand to worship as the presence of God is with us? Will the people of God take note of our lives? 
will they witness it and want to record it because of what is being done in us and through us? May it be so, so the Lord would be glorified. Let us pray. Gracious God, what a gift it is to gather together in that truth that you are with us. Revive in us a spirit of pursuit, Lord, that we would, that we would bring our whole hearts to you, that we, would, that we would bring our inquiries, our questions, our, our, our doubts, our concerns, that we would bring it all, our whole selves to you. And Lord, as we come to you, we know that you are ever present in us. Lord, do a great and powerful work in this community of faith. Lord, let what happens amongst us uh, not be contained just for our own benefit, but let it bring glory to your name throughout this community and indeed in the world. We rejoice in your presence with us. We rejoice in your presence with this body. We rejoice in your presence throughout the world. We ask your blessing upon the witness that is contained therein through Jesus' name.